0: Welcome to the Steadfast Carlsbad podcast. This morning's message was taken out of our 10 a.m. service. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Thanks for tuning in. Verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give it account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Uh, we talked a little bit last week about remembering those who rule over you. This is, uh, in a sense, to obey. The idea is to put yourself, as it says, under submission. We talked about that again last week. The importance of being willing to be under the submission of someone. Uh, especially, and, and there's qualifications, right? There were some qualifications last week. There's qualifications this week. It's not a blind under submission, but the idea is that we're under Order. God sets out order, and there's something in us, in the rebellion of nature, that we don't want to be under order at all. We want to do it our own way, and of course, we know how's that really work out, right? Like you know, when you have children, you're 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 bringing order into the home, and, and you're like, hey, look, like guys, let's not eat the whole thing of Halloween candy, you know, like, and there's just like, why? I have it, I've, it's been given to me, seems like this is my property. Well, then why, who, what gives you the right? And you're like, well, it's, it's not like it's a right, it's like out of love. And, you, and you're also kind of like, yeah, it also affects me. Like in, in the sense of like, because you're gonna be throwing up all night and that will be a bummer, or you're not gonna sleep, or you're gonna crash and burn, or we're gonna be sick for three weeks, you know? there's effects to these kind of things. But we're under the submission. We look, recognize it as parents of like, yeah, because there's a sense of like, you know, responsibility of, yeah, I, I'm in charge of you. <laughs> I answer to you and the Lord that go, hey, you can't just do whatever you want. Like, that's why would we train our kids, look both ways before you cross the street. Because you go, you know, there's a, there's a uh, in a sense, there's like a role of like, I've been called, over you not to be like a burden or a problem but like to bless you and to keep you and just and to inspire good things and good behaviors and to, to question stuff that you th- isn't really going to be beneficial in the end. And so the context is for these believers it, they're they're falling prey to some weird doctrines. They're falling prey to going backwards and he's like remember the leadership that's around you Submit to those good leaders around you. How do we know they're good leaders? They watch out for your souls. A good leader will care about your soul. A bad leader will just care about themselves, and their own clout. Be about me, me, me. How can it all be about me? How do I get promoted? How do I get lifted up? Right? Uh, and a bad leader will use and abuse. A good leader will surrender, surrender their lives to, in a sense, be a small S shepherd over the flock. That's the idea of a word pastor. And so uh, watch, uh, because they watch out for your souls. Now, what else? As they must give account. Because there's a burden that's on them that you don't see they're gonna give an account for. Leaders have that. And so a lot of times there's a burden for, maybe there's a burden for your soul you don't have for your soul (laughs) from a leader. And they're like, please don't go down this road. Why? Because a lot of times it's con- like you're able to see it because you've seen it so many times. I know how this road goes. I can't tell you how many times I've counseled someone that's gone down this path and you think you're different. Well, how do we know that? Because we do the same thing. We all fall into that trap because we all feel like, oh, we're a little different. Like God said not to eat of the fruit, but like, did he, did he really say it? Was it like this fruit? Was it that fruit? I mean, like, what is, it eat? what is eating anyway? You know, get all like philosophical. What is eating? What does that really mean, you know? But you have people that care for your soul. That's what these leaders that he's referencing, they care about your souls and they're giving an account for your soul. So honor them in that place. It's the idea of church leadership and structure. There are structures. And it can go way sideways if there's a bad leader. But there's, there's also structures to say, are you a good leader? Are these things part of your life? So, what you say? They watch out for your souls, and they, give, they, they must give an account for you. Let them do so with joy, not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So, uh, this is twofold, right? With joy, not with grief. That has to do with the leader, Choosing joy, not with grief, anyway, right? To to like love. This is the idea. Love, love the flock. Shepherd the flock among you. Love them. But also for you to not be just constantly a pain in the, you know, wh- whatever, right? <laughs> like like for the for those. That's for all of us, right? So it's like, well, how do I find myself in this? Am I the the you know problem child? You remember that? Oh my gosh, that movie. That was you know. Back in the day, so we have to ask ourselves: like, how? What kind of a fellowship are we part of? What are we? What kind of a mutual, mutual joy, mutual respect, mutual honor, where we're loving on one another? And that's really the core: is that it's it's a community of grace and love, and mercy is is present. But sometimes, and we've got to realize this: there's a way of doing things well that leads to life. And there's a way that leads to chaos. Satan is really the the chaos monster. He causes chaos wherever he goes. That's the idea of like stormy seas are kind of seen as like the sea monster, you know? Because why, I mean, how crazy are stormy seas? They're just, they're nuts. You ever see like video or pictures of these like, you know, 100 foot waves and the ships going through? It's insane, right? Uh, But what did Jesus come to do? came to bring order, came to bring peace, came to take the chaos, that the chaos monster had, had brought fear and panic and, and craziness. And what does he do? He settles it. What's, what's going on in the boat? There's a giant crazy storm happening and his disciples are like, don't you care? We're gonna die. And what Jesus is like, be still. The waves just like stop and it's still. Well, oh, that's a great story. Okay, Jesus can calm the waves and see. You know what? No, what's that saying is Jesus can bring order where there was once only chaos. And so we have to look at our lives and go: Are we people of order or people of chaos? Some some of us say I I, I work well in chaos, kinda. You know that probably just means that we're, you know we're procrastinators, <laughs> right? But really, we all do well within a sense of order. Where there's there's order to our lives, there's rhythms, there's there's things that are that are important to us. And so we make time for those things. And we don't forget them because they're part of our like, you know, structure of life. So God is a God of order. We know this. Satan is the is the author of chaos. What's important to understand though is that God who's part of order and wants us to see order in our lives and with one another, which can mean submission, order can be really painful at times. Because you know what order says? You can't eat all your Reese's peanut butter cups in one shot. You can't. Like, I know you want to, but you you, you definitely shouldn't, at least. But But no, but I want them. And... Satan's way, the way of the, the dragon, is chaos. And chaos can seem comfortable at times. Maybe you remember back to when you were a kid and your room is a disaster. You know, when, when your parents comes in and says, you gotta clean this up, this is insane. How can you live like this? And you're like, I'm good. Like, this is, this is how I wanna live. Like, look at that pile over there. There's clothes in there somewhere. That I can do the smell test, and if they smell okay, I can wear. You know, I this is an ordered life I have going on here. You just don't understand my order. No, you chaos can seem comfortable, but it's not. That's not what we're called to. We're called to lives of order that produce order. This is what this was again, as we've mentioned so many times. The Genesis mandate was to rule and subdue, is to bring order. So we bring order to the world, we bring, we bring hope to the world, we bring sense to the world, because the world's chaotic. It's under the sway of the dragon. So um, being part of order it's submission to what God says, again, that's an issue for the Hebrews because they wanna go somewhere else. He's like, do not go anywhere else. There is nothing there for you. So bring yourselves under order, under the leaders that love you so much and that are called and account for you and enjoy each other. You know, do you know what a blessing it is to have brothers and sisters in the Lord? This is, this is a lot of brothers and sisters in the Lord. You, know, I mean, you might come from a big family. You don't have this many siblings, you know, or else you're in the, gonna be in a Guinness Book of World Records or something, right? But this, we have a, a great heritage and great, this is beautiful. Enjoy that. Verse 18, pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Uh, Here's the clean conscience. These leaders have a clean conscience. The way that uh, they've spoken the truth and handled the word of God and led those who are under them, clean conscience. A good leader will have a clean conscience. I've done what I can do. These are the people you can trust. The other people who are trying to sway you sideways, they don't have a clean conscience because they're trying to build themselves their own little kingdom. So understand this, pray for us. Remi- remember us and pray for us. You know, if you pray for someone, you probably care about them. If You take the time to pray for them. They're probably important people in your life. And if you have people that aren't important, that you want to become important, start praying for them. Start putting them in, start praying for them. Think about that, right? Who do you pray for the most? I'll tell you what, my family. That's sort of like usually you wake up in the middle of the night, you're praying for your family. <laughs> you're praying for those people in your house. Then you're praying for your church. You're not praying for all the randoms all the time, but the people you care about and you invested in and, you, and you've done these, these life. And, the, and then you think about the people who are hurting or going through stuff and you're praying for them. So they have a clear conscience and here's their heart that in all things they're desiring to live honorably. This is their desire. No, what's interesting about desire is desires set the path. You want to know where you're going to go? Check your desires. Uh, Because whether you like it or not, your desires become your true north. James 1 verses 14 through 16 says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, what is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Of course, that's the negative context of desires. There's a positive one too. First uh, Psalm 37 Desiring lives that are pleasing to the Lord is actually essential to doing it. Psalm 37, verses three through six. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. So what do we do? We're trusting in the Lord. That's, that's an active trust in the Lord. We're dwelling in the land and feeding on his faithfulness. That's thanks, right? That's, that's recognition of what God has done we see he has been so faithful. We delight ourselves in the, in, in the Lord. Delight yourself also in the Lord. So He's our becomes our delight. He's this is this is what we find our, our praise for, our, our, our happiness from. This is where we, this is like the thing. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. So now our desires are aligned. The desires are put in a proper context because we're trusting in the Lord and we're doing good. So there's active, active faith built out of relationship. We're dwelling in the land and we're feeding on his faithfulness. We're enjoying how good he's been to us. So it gives us delight. We're delighting in him. And then what's the response? He gives us the desires of our heart. Then he says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. The culmination of delighting yourself in the Lord, having your desires be to delight in the Lord. And then what happens? Beautiful fruit. But desires are really important. That's something for like young people to recognize. Like, what do you desire because the thing that you want, you're gonna find yourself, if you don't check it or you don't put it in its proper place, it will become like a magnet for you. And you will eventually get what you're looking for. Whether in desires that lead to sin, sin that leads to death, or desires that are, lead to the Lord, which brings forth fruit. And then we get these, the delight of the Lord ends up with desires that, come to pass because we've found our desires in something that can actually fulfill us. And so that's the important message here that he's been going over and over again in Hebrews. You can't find what you're looking for anywhere else but in Jesus, it just doesn't exist. So the desires are really important. You know, it's so simple too, like the stuff that we think the delights of our hearts, the things we desire, uh, just, just think about what do you look forward to most in the week? You know, one of the things I, growing up, I loved playing sports. I still do. And uh, even, even well into playing like the softball season, that was like, that's like the center of your week. Oh. And if you have a good game, feels good. If you don't, it feels real bad. And I'll even see it with my son, you know, baseball. I like look forward to it. He has a game tonight. I'm looking forward to it. But I can't. It, that can't hold all my desires. It just can't, no matter how good you do, it just, it's not enough. And before you know it, that becomes a God, becomes an idol. And then it really can't fill you because it's like, no, this is a good thing, but it's out of alignment. So now it's not good. So desires have a huge impact on where we go. So we ask our, we check our desires and this comes from, where we put our faith? What was the desires of those who were following God? They didn't necessarily know what was gonna happen. and A lot of them didn't see in the hall of faith the fruition of their faith, but they, their desires were set on, I'm just gonna trust what he said, that's it. I desire to please God, and that's what we see here. What's our desire to live honorably, a life that's pleasing to God? Verse 19, but I especially urge you to do, to do this, that I might be restored to you sooner, pray. Pray for us. There's advantage in prayer. And uh, the idea is that it, it, you might see us sooner than if you hadn't prayed. It's good. That's a good word for us, like praying. Sometimes we're like, well, I didn't get my answer. Well, like maybe it, it would be a lot longer if you don't pray. Is it, it's not right away. And a lot of times when it's not right away, you see why later. God was working something in me. This was an idol for me. This was the wrong desires. But he works this out in us. And, and, and we know that prayers, they don't, they're, don't, they're not nothing. Prayer of a righteous man avails much. But as we're, desi- we're putting our desires in him and we're trusting in him and we're aligning our lives with him, we pray. We stay faithful to God. We keep an ordered and orthodox faith, like the way we understand and see things. The idea is orthodoxy, orthopraxy. Like the way I think and believe and the way I act. They're, they're both, they're both uh, telltale signs of faith. What, what it, they have to go together. So uh, yeah, verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So we'll stop right there for a second, the God of peace. This is is the, the description the author of Hebrews is using for God, the God of peace, because that's the idea of the message, that Jesus has come to bring peace with mankind. So he's the God of peace. How is this peace displayed? Through raising Jesus from the dead. It's all centered on Christ. Brought up, right? It says who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, from raising Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep. What's interesting is this isn't anywhere else the shepherd thing. But it's like a reminder of like that God that He's faithful. He's, a good, he's the good shepherd. He's taking care of you. And He's like, this is the best word to describe it. That great shepherd of the sheep. Through what? How does this peace brought? And what's the idea of a shepherd and a sheep? A sheep will be in great, a great position if they're obedient to the shepherd. If they trust the shepherd, they'll be in great shape. If they don't, you know, I got my own plans. I got my own idea. You're like, you're a lamb chop. You're done, you know? Because there was a wolf lurking. You got to trust the shepherd. The shepherd will keep his sheep together. He'll rest. Anyway, we trust the shepherd. That's the idea in Jesus. And how does this peace brought? Through the death of Jesus. It's through the blood of the everlasting covenant. The old covenant is gone. Now we're in the everlasting covenant. So what, what's, what's this mean? There's no changing. There's no changing anymore. And that's, we saw that, that there's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no longer any changing. There's no going backwards. There's no, in a sense, going forwards to something else either. This is the gospel. That's why Paul said, as we mentioned last week, you know, if, I, if even if I or an angel preach a different gospel, it's like let us be accursed. This is the message. This is the provision. This is the way that was spoken about forever. It's been, it's been this beautiful crescendo. It's all been coming to a head to this amazing like. Climactic victory. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and his ascension is the way to peace. God of peace. Are we struggling with peace in our lives? Blood of Jesus, the new covenant, the transformational work of what Jesus did on the cross, the Holy Spirit now living inside of us in the process of both justification, sanctification, justification at salvation, sanctification as our process, glorification as we're gonna be with him forever. And the transformative element of we were this, now we're this, it's all found in Jesus. So as that is taking place in our lives, we are brought to a place where we're at peace with God. Sin is enmity with God. The blood of Jesus covers sin. We're now not only at peace, we have access to hang out with him. He wants us in. Also, it brings forth peace with others. How's that work out? Because as we're experiencing grace, we give grace. As we experience forgiveness, we give forgiveness. We don't hold on to things like we did before because there's like a bigger thing at play. God is moving in us to change us and to bring peace to our relationship with him, our relationship with others. And this might be, this is a huge one for all of us to, peace with ourselves. Because you might be like, yeah, no, I believe in, I believe in all this. And yet you look in the mirror and you don't see it. Well, we have to preach the gospel to ourselves to remind us of what Jesus has done in our lives and who he says we are. It's like uh, God has done what he's perfecting, what he's working in us, what he's maturing in us to make us complete. I had a friend who like got this element of it and, and um he was like, you know what, man? He's like, I, I want to look in the mirror and see what God sees, and and so he, this, these are my friends. He he got completion tattooed on his throat. I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, it's like, just some people have sticky notes, you know, but this is a tattoo on his throat. <laughs> and the idea is like, I'm completing Christ, not not to say perfect, but the idea is, I'm, I'm becoming more like Him. I'm I'm saved. I I'm in, I'm a co-heir with Christ. I, what an amazing story. So we're at peace with God, we're at peace with others, we're at peace with ourselves. You know what? Everyone in here has done, done dirt. <laughs> we all got stuff. We all got stuff and we know what is, what is the enemy called, what Satan called? The accuser of the brethren. It's just like, you remember this, you remember this, you remember this. You remember this? And it's like somehow it feels like it's back in time like it was yesterday or like it was today. And we remember that, no, yes, those were true things, but they're covered by the blood of Jesus. And we are now new creations. We don't wallow. We don't stick around and stay. We're at peace with God. We're now at peace with others and we're at peace with ourselves in him. So good luck finding peace somewhere else, by the way because yeah, it just doesn't exist. And this is why this message is so vital for the world. And that's why we don't water down the message of the gospel. Like I could say, oh, well, you know, find your own path to God. Well, your own path to God doesn't change you like this. It doesn't, it doesn't bring real peace. It doesn't bring real hope and real life. The gospel is the message. Because <laughs> otherwise you'd be like, we could try and make this dead man look alive. And it might fool a couple people, but you know the difference. No, we're, we're made. Alive. We're dead men living, new creations in Christ Jesus, risen from the grave, just like him. And now we can live a life of you know, purpose that matters. So he's going to make us complete, make you complete in every good work, verse 21. make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. The result is that God's power in his grace makes us complete. And he's working in in us it makes us mature, makes us who we're always created to be. And then he gives us what? Lives of purpose that can be well-pleasing to God then that becomes our desire. Like, I just wanna please you, Lord, with my life. Now, can you imagine if, if, if we have a whole body, a whole church that our goal is to please the Lord, what does that look like? If that's our desires, I've been raised to newness of life and now I want everyone else to experience this. Come check it out. It would go, it would go crazy. It would go nuts. You know, it's always interesting to see when people do like the um, pyramid schemes, how fast, how fast they can disciple, you know? A lot of times where you're like, whoa, you guys are all, all about this, you know? And somebody's doing real well at the top, you know, whoever the first one was, you know, whatever. But it's amazing how fast everybody can like jump on and be about one purpose and, uh, and you go, and how appealing that can be. But how much greater is it when we as believers sense the, the, the real transformation in our own lives, our peace with God, our peace with others, our peace with ourselves. And we, we sense that his, complete, his completion is being worked out in us. We're becoming mature and more like him. And now we're, we care about living lives that are pleasing in his sight and that our lives are now hidden in Christ. And now what we care about is God getting the glory. This is the idea, a life of purpose that's well-pleasing to God. This is achieving our highest goal or bringing, is bringing God glory forever. That's like, that's the chief of man. <laughs> it's to know God and to bring him praise and honor and glory. And you can't, they, they go together. So we don't choose, remember the Hebrews, we don't choose temporary comfort for eternal gain. Who would do that? Verse 22, and I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I've written to you in a few words. It's like, please listen to what I've said to you guys. And then he says what I've written to you in a few words. It's like, really, a few words? It took us a year to get through, you know? They were like many weighted words. But the idea is like, this is, this is like, you know, scratching the surface here of the greatness of God. What, can we ple- uh, please, Lord, I want that life. That I feel like the, the deeper I get, the more I scratch the surface. The deeper I get, the more I know God, the smaller I feel, the bigger he is. That's faith. Whoa, my God can do anything. We get images of that, you know, like, my dad's stronger than your dad. Okay, cool. It's not all true, right? And so the worst thing you do is make dads go against each other in front of their children. That's no good, right? But the idea is like, man, my dad could, he's so strong, he could do anything. That's a, that's a, a childlike uh, implanted faith. Right, And so we, we have that in us, and over time you like beat your dad at arm wrestling and you're like, he ain't stronger than me, now I'm the man, you know, or whatever. But, but God wants us to go back to this place of wonder where you go, like, man, I, would, I, want, I, I wanna believe you and the bigger you get, My God could do anything. So that prayer sounds totally impossible. Like that person coming to the Lord, I don't see it, (laughs) I don't know how that could happen. They seem so far off. My dad could do anything, my God could do anything. I believe him, I trust him. I know he's big, I know he's good. So we're scratching the surface of how it's so much greater than even this letter, which this letter's been amazing. Verse 23, know that our brother Timothy has been set free with whom I shall see if he comes shortly. Uh, Timothy is probably freed from prison at this point and, uh, and he may come with the author to see them. Uh, I don't know for sure, but remember Timothy was like being charged with boldness. It sounds like he got it uh, <laughs> to the point of like where he went to jail for it. So, uh, which is kind of cool. But greet all those, verse 24 and 25, all those who rule over you and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. Uh, Greet those who rule over you. This might be an awkward greeting. Remember, there's this schism and there's this, you know, desire to go back. And he's saying, go put yourself back under the good leaders that you had. Put yourself back under those who preach the gospel, those who know the word of God, those who have, are living in the new everlasting covenant. So he says, greet all those for us. Sometimes that's all it takes, <laughs> right? Talk to those who've potentially distanced yourself from, sometimes that's all it takes, a quick conversation. Maybe you've had issues with someone and then all of a sudden you just tell one little story or you say, hi, hey man, hope you're good. and Then you work through it. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know for sure. But send our love. We're all in this together. And then grace be with you all. Remember, grace is is the signifying difference. It's grace. This is all built on grace. It's a gospel of grace. Our God who is gracious. We will be people. If we are people of God, we are people of grace. For ourselves and for others. That's all there is to it. So I have a couple things here. Three, I guess you'd say, uh, helpful Hebrews themes to remember. So three helpful Hebrews themes to remember. Uh, One, Hebrews assures us of the supremacy of Christ. This is the main theme of Hebrews. Hebrews assures us of the supremacy of Christ. Uh, there's, There's, the author is arguing, pleading, imploring, the believers to not return to the law the law no longer has any provision in it Jesus is greater in every way so he shows us systematically he's greater than Jesus is greater than the angels he's greater than Moses he's greater than the land than the law than the temple than the high priest Jesus is just greater across the board the supremacy of Christ he's supreme like and so he he just goes through and Picks apart every argument you could possibly come up with with why it actually makes sense to go back to the law. We see that God had a perfect plan through all of the mess. As he goes through the Old Testament and, and see, you could see God's faithfulness through all the mess. He's meeting his people in their need. While in meeting their their need, he's also pointing towards an even greater need and a greater provision. Like here, I'm meeting you. I'm providing for you here. I'm taking care of you here. I'm showing up here. But it's really a symbol of when I'm really gonna provide and show up, which is in who? Jesus, the Messiah. So not just a savior in battle, but a savior in life. He wouldn't just save us from a battle, but he would save us from ourselves, from our sin, from our destruction. Not just restored uh, standing, like with God, but restored relationship. Not just putting up with us, but loving us, inviting us in, sympathizing with us. So that's the supremacy of Christ, so much greater than anything else. Second, Hebrews emphasizes Lives of faith and God's faithfulness. So there's an emphasis on the lives of faith and God's faithfulness. We see justification found in lives of faith and through the hall of faith. We see incredible examples of faith in the lives of these men and women throughout history. And faith, having lives of faith, is an opportunity to show and to experience God's faithfulness. That's the thing. That's why faith is so important. As you operate in faith, God then resp- you're able to see God in His faithfulness. And you see it without that too. But it's beautiful to to trust God and then to watch Him provide. And you're like, whoa! Faith inspires faith. And third, Hebrews encourages us to take the baton and run our own race of faith, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we're charged to then take, thinking of like running in a race, you take the baton from those who were before us and run our own race. Not being slowed to a halt by hardships, which is what was happening here. They're going through some hardships and they're about to bail, knowing that our suffering is part of following the Lord and that God uses hard times to build our faith and to strip away ourselves, that he meets us in those gnarly, dark seasons. And he shows that he's even faithful there. Because it's like one thing to worship a God because he's a a genie in a bottle. Come on out and give me what I want. It's another thing to worship God who meets you in the depths and the pain. And he's like, God, take it away. He's like, I'll meet you here. I'm just gonna meet you here. I'm gonna sit with you here because as, as, as horrific as this is, I'm working something in you. So we're called to, to do that. We're, we're, we are called not to retreat, but to strengthen our resolve. He says, strengthen the hands and to trust in the inheritance of the Lord. This is our charge. This is a charge of the Hebrews is our charge. Don't retreat, don't run away. There's nothing to run away to. There's no peace anywhere else. There's no comfort anywhere else. There's no there's no utopia out there, by the way. It's not gonna get better. And as soon as you start running, you keep running. Life of a coward is is contagious, right? And so we aren't we don't run away, we run in. Not to retreat, but to Go even harder to build and to build build our life on the unshakable foundations. Because there's everything else is gonna be shook up. And the more we try to build on the sand, it's gonna fall. This is how we build on the unshakable foundation, which is Christ. This life is a reminder of how fickle temporary gains can be here today, gone tomorrow. The highest of highs are are usually right before the lowest of lows. Just, they, they seems to work out like that. So we can't be on this emotional roller coaster. It, that's why faith is more than like a, I kind of feel like faith today. Faith is a decision that's not a, you know, whatever, out, out of nowhere decision. It's founded on facts. The things we believe are founded on facts. They're not founded on like, I hope, I have faith in faith. I hope somehow how this works out. You go, no, I, I'm trusting in a God who's been faithful. I'm, I'm, putting, all, I'm putting all the chips in on him. And trust him fully. I'm hedging it all on him. With this in mind, we're called to order our lives. How? In community, under submission, and by experiencing faith in action with each other. What a beautiful call. What a beautiful call to those who had started in the faith that have been brought back in, say, this, this masterful, uh, basically it's a sermon to that that's just perfectly points to Jesus is the only way. He is the perfect way. We don't need to look for any other way. Enjoy, enjoy his faithfulness. Enjoy his his grace. Enjoy his people. Live as beacons and ambassadors of hope and peace and life. And to be those, as everybody else is getting tossed by every little thing that are stable because we might be building slow, but we're building on the rock. We're putting our foundations in the right spot. And in doing so, we reap peace. Even when it looks like that's the piece that passes understanding so i encourage you this week to remember this the themes of hebrews and what god has said to them and how we're how it responds to us and in doing so i think it's a perfect launching point to a, a, a week of thanks i mean this 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 letter is like if this doesn't inspire thanks in us it's like how, Jesus is way better than I even thought. <laughs> he, he wants to meet me in, in more than I would have ever imagined. and he, He's able to do even more in my life than I could think. To the point where he's even worth following even if I get no benefits from it in this life. Because we have eternity with him. And we, won't, we will not regret building up treasures in heaven. We will not regret Choosing to have lives that honor and give grace. Praise to Him. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for this letter to the Hebrews and the riches. Oh, the riches, Lord, in this book. And we just are thankful for, for Jesus. We're so thankful for Jesus for what He did on the cross. So we want to magnify Him and exalt Him and lift Him high. We want to tell everyone of the hope that's inside of us because we're experiencing hope, not because you know it's our homework to do it, but because we're actually transformed, renewed, born again. so Lord, I pray that that is our our anthem and our call and what we what we say and do and act, but I pray even that it would be even more so real in our lives, that we would see, uh, Lord, we would offer you in or uh, invite you into the places of our life that maybe we kind of keep back from you or struggle to, you know, surrender to you and know that you're good and that you're faithful and that you're just and that you love us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to all experience that peace that comes from the grace, your grace, through the blood of Jesus, that we would find that place where we know you're not mad at us, you, you love us, we're at peace with you. You ask us to come in, you ask us to commune with you, to dine with you, to allow you into every part of our life, that that peace would bring reconciliation with you, reconciliation with those around us because we know what faith looks like, because we know what forgiveness looks like, and that we would experience peace with ourselves, that we'd no longer be susceptible to hearing accusations and then believing it to be true, but that we would see ourselves as you see us, new creations, lives that are hidden in Christ. So, Lord, we don't want these to be words, so we ask by your Holy Spirit that you'd awaken it in our hearts and our minds that it would be like, we sense the joy even just right now as we sing this last song, Lord, that you would just stoke the fire in our hearts, in our lives. We feel the lightness, the, the, that you take away the weight, the sin that so easily ensnared us for years and years and years and that we would experience the, the, the burden being light because you've taken it. Lord, so we pray that you'd make all these things true in us and through us. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory for all of this, because you're, you're the author, you're the finisher, you've done it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us in person, head over to steadfastcarlsbad.com for more info. God bless.